You're listening to episode 27 of the Sick Mom's Guide. Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide podcast. If my mom can do it, you can too. I'm Jen Hardy. I'm the mom of seven children. At the date of this recording, their ages range from 6 to 28. I'm married to the man of my dreams, and I have multiple eclectic chronic diseases. Throughout this parenting journey, I've come up with systems and ways to handle juggling it all while staying positive and moving forward, even when my body's pushing back. I've created this podcast because I believe that if we start opening up, stop being ashamed, and ditch the guilt, then as a community, we will make each other stronger. Thanks for joining me. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Today's episode has a very interesting origin. A few months ago, I was in an event called Podfecta about podcasting. And the first few hours in the morning, I had an opportunity to stand around and talk to a bunch of different people. One of them was today's guest, Jamie Tucker. And a little aside about this, I don't watch television. So every once in a while, I'll watch Netflix, I'll binge watch something, but I don't watch TV. And I don't watch the news because I just find it depressing. So I had a great talk with Jamie in the morning. And then I talked to my husband at lunch and I was telling him about our conversation. And he said, Oh my gosh, you're talking to Jamie Tucker. And I said, Yeah, he's a nice guy, you know, whatever. And he goes, No, 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 you don't realize who he is. Everybody knows Jamie Tucker, except you because you don't watch TV. He's kind of a big deal. And it was really exciting because he's just this nice guy. And we had a great talk about podcasting and his podcast. And I love what he's doing. Because his segment is called What the Tech, and he talks about technology for normal people or technology in a way that everybody would understand, instead of all these words that nobody can get. And we were talking about tech safety and kids. And I said, Oh, my gosh, you've got to come on my podcast and tell my audience about this because it's so important. So today is a man speaking, and he does not have a chronic illness, but he has got such a great wealth of information that I knew you would love listening to him. So here he is. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for joining me today. Jen, thanks uh, for having me. It's good to talk to you. Thanks. Great to talk to you too. I am so excited because I have been overly cautious maybe with all of my kids about tech stuff. And when I try to warn people about things, they think I'm just being silly. And when I talk to you at Podfecta and you, you were telling me about secret locker apps and all the different things that kids are getting into, I thought you have got to come and share this with other parents (laughs) because you've put so much information out there on what the tech and, um, I just want you to be the one to say how we can keep our kids safe from all the stuff that's happening out there. Yeah, it's dangerous out there. It is. So so later on, I would definitely like to talk about the secret locker app, but I thought we could start with um, the the apps that police are warning parents about. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, police have come out uh, pretty much every year, maybe twice a year, just warning parents about these apps because, you know, they change. Um, new apps are, are coming on, uh, coming on board all the time. And even some of the apps, it's interesting, Jim, because these apps will be trending in one school and no one in another school has ever heard of it. 
And then when that app kind of starts getting out of favor in that one school, the other school picks it up. And so it kind of goes in waves as, as teenagers learn about these apps. And the one app that has always been at the top of the list of from police officers and detectives is an app called Kick, and it's K-I-K. And it is, uh, it's been tied to suicides, cyberbullying. Uh, it's been tied to teenagers and even younger meeting up with strangers in real life outside of the virtual world. Actually, in the real world, they've, they've been meeting. It has uh, also been tied to a couple of murders where someone, a stranger, has met someone very young on kick and they've agreed to meet somewhere. And that's happened several times, um, both in this country and worldwide. And it's a, a lot of times with some of these apps where it's only text and the teenagers, they uh, meet up with someone, a stranger that they don't know. It may be another kid, um, but they will, uh, if they can't, if they want to have a more private conversation, they'll say, what's your kick? And they give them their kick username, and then they can meet up in basically a room, a private room where no one else can hear. And then what happens is they exchange photos and videos, may tell them where they live, what school they go to. So kick is uh, without a doubt the most dangerous app uh, that parents need to know about. Omegle chat, and that's O-M-E-G-L-E. Omegle Chat. It's been around for a long, long time. It's very popular in other parts of the world. It's gaining popularity here. The whole purpose of this app, Jen, is to connect people with strangers. Just oh, wow. random people. Um, and so I signed up and I used all of these apps. I, I checked them. And so I ch- uh, set up an account with Omegle Chat. I didn't have to prove my age, didn't have to prove my location. And then suddenly I was connected to a random stranger within 15 seconds of signing up. And what you find with these apps with Omegle Chat, but really all of them, is most of the people in these apps are men. Now, you don't know how old they are because they can lie about their age. Um, When I went on and said that I was male, every stranger that connected with me automatically hopped out of our chat. They disappeared. So then I said, well, what's going to happen if I say I'm a 19-year-old girl? And then all of a sudden, I started getting all of these connections. And a 35, or at least identified himself as a 35-year-old man, invited me into a private chat room. And that happened all of that happened within about 15 to 30 seconds after I downloaded the app and logged in. Um, uh, ask FM is another one. Ask dot FM. It's very similar. It's a chat room. It's a video app. This one is very popular with elementary age kids. And that's again called ask FM. And when I tried that, I was connected to a girl. She appeared to be about 12 years old. She was in her bedroom chatting, sitting there on her bed, uh, just chatting with strangers. Chatting with strangers. Um, and a lot of the people on that app are the very young children. And, and I say very young, as young as seven and eight years old. That's really scary. Which, and and there are an, there's another one called Melon, M-E-L-O-N, like 
like a melon that you pick up, you know, in the grocery store. And I, I downloaded that app. It's, it's not that popular right now, but it's gaining popularity. And it's, it's very similar. It's a video app, streaming app. The second you sign on to melon, you are connected to this random person. You have no idea who you're going to be connected to. And about the third person that I was connected to, it was actually two young men, looked like they were maybe 17, 16 years old, and they saw that I was old. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> this is an old man. And they started cursing at me, threatening me, telling me that they were going to find me. One of them pulled a gun out and pointed it at the camera and said, I'm going to find you and I'm going to get you. Wow. And, you know, this kind of stuff is happening all the time. And parents know about them. Uh, I mean, uh, the kids know about them. But right. the police, you know, even the detectives, investigators are just learning about some of these. And parents have no idea about these apps. So those apps right there. And there's another one called Lively which has really become popular in the last couple of, uh, really in the last six months. It's been one of the most downloaded apps for both Android and iPhones, but it's live.ly. And you can search for these to, to look at the, um, the icon for them. But it's very similar. I downloaded, and this is, it is put out there as a way for kids to do these short little videos and send them out. And so the idea is you can sit there and watch all of these cool little videos. So it's in some ways it's like, it could be like Twitter or Instagram, but with the use of what kids are doing with lively Jen is they're just, they're going in and they're maybe recording themselves nude and sending out those videos if you, it's mostly sex that you find on live.ly and the way you would do that. And I encourage parents, if they find out that th their kids might be using these apps is to download them yourself to see what's out there. And that's the best way. If a parent downloads these apps, sets up an account and then investigate it. That's a really good and idea. Instead the, of just making a judgment and yelling at them, right? Then right. you know exactly what you're talking about. Right, right. And you can you can show them, hey, here's what here's what I found. And you know, chances are um they know about what you're finding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. Um and then I had another question too. Um hidden meaning behind emojis. So my older son had told me about one particular emoji, but I know that you know about a lot of other ones. So if parents are looking at their kid's phone and they see all these emojis in their messages, it yeah. could be something else. Could be. It, it could be. Um, there, <laughs> there are a lot of these emojis. I'm not going to be able to tell you what they mean <laughs> because um, I would be, uh, I would, my face would turn red if I told you what some of these, but again, you'll probably figure some of these out, but we talked about, uh, before we went on, we talked about the eggplant emoji. Um, there is, uh, a cat emoji and the eyes emoji. And so if a boy or a girl, I guess, sending someone 
I picked uh, an emoji of eyes and an eggplant, then they're asking for a nude picture. If they send a request for uh, uh, eyes and uh, a cat, eyes and a peach. Now the peach emoji, all of these, if you look at the emojis with an you know, with that in mind, you you can you can pretty much guess what they are. But if if it's eyes and one of these. Uh, an eggplant or cucumber or a peach or a seashell, the cat, they're asking for a nude picture. Um, Some of the others, um, an electric plug, all right, that you would, you know, an outlet. It stands for a drug connection among a lot of teenagers. Uh, That's a connection, Uh, a gas tank or a gas pump. um, That stands for, Got to get some wheat, you know, got to get gas. Well, some teenagers are using is got to get wheat. Um, leaves and a tree, if those appear, that, that's marijuana. Um, and if you put them together like leaves with a, an outlet or leaves and a gas pump, it means I'm going to go get some drugs. Uh, and they could use a puff of smoke to uh, reference drug use. Um, And so uh, another is um, the tongue emoji. That means something. Um, In in the teenagers, and I've talked to several teenagers and one in particular, when they they were telling me about some of these, um, they said, I feel like I am betraying my generation because she was telling me all of the secrets. Uh, but and, and then some teenagers have already moved past the emoji and they're going to those Japanese acronyms and the emoticons. They've already shifted to that. Um, if you see 420, you know, that is a, another, that's jargon for marijuana. It's been around for a long, long, long time. Uh, but the number 420. Um, so those are some of the things that parents should look for. And, you know, the, the Unicode consortium, you know, all of those new emojis just came out. And again, teenagers are figuring out, look, you know, parents are figuring this out. So we're going to use this one. And, and again, Jen, this, this is, this kind of goes as a trend in one school. And then it may, the other schools may not, students in another school may not know anything about these. And it could be a secret language just a, among that one school or that one community. Uh, okay. So that, that's also, so it, it is, I, I guess the, the takeaway from this is parents, some of those emoji, they may not, it may not seem obvious to you, but teenagers are using the emoji to mean something else and to send messages to other people. Okay. Well, that's really good to know. So how can parents see what their kids are doing? Are there ways that they can find out? There are ways. Um, if if your kids have a, have an iPhone, it's very easy on an iPhone. It, it's fairly easy on an Android too, but an iPhone makes it very, very easy. And that is to make sure that your kids, especially the younger kids, the older kids are going to have a lot of pushback on this, is to have be using your Apple ID. Because when they're using your Apple ID, you can see everything that they download. Uh, any of these apps, 
you can see. And all you have to do on your phone, you don't even have to look at their phone, but you can take your phone and go to the App Store app and then go down where you see updates. And when you tap on updates, you will have an opportunity to look at purchased items. And you can do this on a desktop as well. But um, if you if you go to the purchased section of the updates, you will see every app that has ever been downloaded on that Apple ID. So that's the that's a way that parents can do it where the kids have no idea that mom and dad are looking at it. Uh, again, that's going to that's going to be something that for that's one reason you would want kids to have um, you, you would want your kids to be on your Apple ID. And, um, and so, and so that's probably the best way. And the other way is just download some of these apps, um, search for their friends, search for their friends using some of these apps. Um, when you set up an account, use a, come up with a username that no one would ever guess could be a parent. Um, and by doing that and following some of their friends, you can see what's going on in that community, that little, that small group of friends. So I would recommend that as well. Um, those are really the two best ways. There are other ways if you use other devices and other apps that you can do, but it, it's very simple with an iPhone by just checking the Apple ID and all of the apps that have been purchased on that ID. So here's a question. If, if you can see what they've done, then they can see what you've done as well, oh, right? That's right. So if you're going to do that, you need to do the things that you would only want them to see and not do things you wouldn't want to hide from them either. Well, that's true. Now, most of the, most of the kids would not know that you could do this, that you can go in and, and search for purchased apps okay. or apps not on this phone. That's another way to find out. Ah, but okay. yeah, you know, parents... Yeah, be aware if they figure that out, they're going to see what mom and dad are doing on their phone under that Apple ID. Right. So. so if you're, if you want your kids to be doing good things, you know, don't let them find you doing bad things either. Right. And you know, and again, Jen, I guess the best way to handle this is not just being sneaky and watching your kids. It's being close enough to your children where you have an open conversation about these things. That's the best way for parents. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's the best way for a parent to monitor and keep taps on what their kids are doing. It's just to stay close, have, have a good relationship with their kids. Don't, you know, yell at them about their phone all the time, set some good limits and some boundaries and have a really good relationship, a real positive relationship with your kids. So you have that positive influence. So when they do make decisions on their own about what pictures they're sending and, and that type of thing that they have your example and your influence rather than just, you know, the friends that you don't know. That's really, really good advice. Um, but I can say for my older kids, you know, cause we have, we have five kids that are older and one of my sons is very honest now about how he used to be. And so we did have a close relationship, but come to find out he had figured out all kinds of things to do just with the flip phone he had, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, um, we had situations where people were using things when they shouldn't be using them. Mm -hmm. Um, even if they weren't doing bad things, you know, they just, you know, they didn't really want to follow the curfew thing. Is there a way that parents can limit what their kids are doing? 
Yes. Um, there are devices out now that uh, allow a parent to set limits. And the best one that I've found, it's, it's from Disney. It is a smart family device that acts as a Wi-Fi router, um, or it actually connects to your Wi-Fi router. And this allows you to set up boundaries for individual children. So let's say you're, you have a 15, 16-year-old, and you don't mind your 15, 16-year-old having a little more freedom with their phone or their iPad or device. So you can set it up where they may get five hours a day on a game or social media. And when those five hours are up, Wi-Fi turns off and they're blocked from going to those sites. They're not allowed. And with younger children, it's the same thing. I, I spoke with um, a friend of mine who has one of these. They have older kids and they... You, because you can not only set limits, but you can see what they're doing online. Mom found out the other day when she checked that, um, yeah, her son was doing something he was should not have been doing. And um, But you can also turn off these connections for the whole family if it's dinner time. You can go on your phone and with a tap, Wi-Fi shuts down. And none of these phones can connect. But what's really good about this, you can do everything, all of these things for your house, but your kids aren't just staying in your home. And if they're visiting friends, joining their Wi-Fi, and if their family doesn't, likely doesn't have anything like this, then your kids can get on and do whatever they want on their Wi-Fi or on their cellular network. But with this um, circle from Disney, it also controls their phone when they're away from home. Oh, that's incredible. That is, now, that's a subscription. You have to pay for that. And, and I'm not sure what that monthly subscription is. But if parents, if, if you're concerned about what they're doing when they're over at friends' houses, um, you can set this up, pay a subscription fee, and then you monitor and can control their phones when they're away from home. And that's, that's pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, that's great because there was nothing like that when our older kids were teenagers. No. So it was really tough to try to block stuff. So um, so let's say they're home and they turn off their Wi-Fi and decide to go just off data. Does it still control it? It does. It does. Okay. Um, so these connect to the phones and it, um, from what I understand, I have not used this, but from what the other parents have told me, it does control that. So if, if they're playing Fortnite, you know, you send your kid to bed at nine 30 and you think they're going to bed, but they're playing Fortnite till 2 AM, which is happening quite a lot. Um, you'll know about it because of what's on that phone and the usage of that phone, whether they're connected over Wi-Fi or their cellular network, but it's, it's called circle from Disney. Okay. And no, and I'm not getting anything by promoting that. It's uh, it's just a really good product. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds great. I mean, that's exactly what we had been looking for forever. So that's really good to know. So here's another question. Speaking of, you know, your kids going to other kids' houses um, and, you know, obviously keeping an open dialogue, letting them know what you do and don't want them to play and listen to and whatever and why is important. But is there, there isn't any way of keeping them safe when they're on other people's devices, is there? No, there really isn't. 
there really isn't. I, um, you know, I talked with a bus driver not to a couple of months ago for a story, and the bus driver told me uh, from time to time he will hear a kid coming onto the bus with their phone and say, I've got the hub. And the kids know what that means is he has Pornhub on his phone. And so the kids gather around this kid's phone on the bus. His kid's as young as eight or nine years old watching pornography on that phone. Well, there's nothing a parent can do about that if it's someone else's phone. You know, that's, that would be an administrative thing in schools. It would be a parental thing for those children. They would need to have some sort of controls or know what their kids are doing. But it's, if your kid is hanging out with someone with that kind of thing on their phone, um, there's really nothing you can do. It would, it, it's just like if the kid brought a stack of pornographic magazines to, a, you know, back in my day, it would be a tree house. <laughs> I don't guess they do that anymore. But it would be the same as a kid bringing those kind of things. And, you know, your kid goes up and they're sitting there looking. It's the same thing. It's just much easier now for the kids right. to have this type of thing. See, and it's, it's so scary to me because, you know, when my, my older kids were younger, it was all just starting, you know, and there was some little stuff, but it wasn't because um, my oldest is 28, you know, things were way different, but now um, I've got an eight year old daughter and it worries me to no end when she goes to other people. She's she has friends that have had iPhones since they were six years old, which j- honestly blows my mind yeah. um, with unrestricted internet, um, which, and that's another thing. Um, can you talk about how parents can restrict the internet on their parents, on their kids' phones? Because a lot of parents think that if they have a smartphone, it just has to get everything all the time. Well, and it can, and, and that's why a device or an app, there are some apps that you can look for, for the iPhone and for Android phones that would uh, limit some of the things, Um, you know, for young children, I always recommend to parents that rather than handing them your iPad, get them a Kindle Fire tablet. A Kindle Fire tablets are the best device for younger children because you can set limits on those devices. Uh, you can set ratings for those devices. That, th- that device is a much wiser choice for children under the age of 13. And I say 13, that's the age that psychologists um, recommend kids should not have a smartphone, uh, their own smartphone, until the eighth grade. Uh, there's actually, a, and I encourage any moms, dads listening to this to go to the website, wait until the com. I believe wait until the com, And that is a large group of parents across the country that have come together pledging. I'm not going to give my kid a smartphone until they're in the eighth grade. And they will take this pledge. They put the posters up in some of the schools and the parents will say, I'm not going to get, let my kids have a phone until they're 13 years old. That's a good age. That's something that child psychologists say, you know, the kids' brains have developed enough, <laughs> uh, not all the way, but <laughs> enough to, uh, to make better decisions. It's also an age that, you know, S- Steve Jobs didn't let his kids have an iPhone until they were in the eighth grade, until they were 13 years old. 
Um, so that's a, a really good program, and I would encourage parents to to take a look at that. And those, uh, that's you can look for apps, and I don't have any of the names. There's so many apps out there that work. There's Mama Bear. I've uh, looked at, but that was years ago. I looked at Mama Bear, and, and it does something in, as well as keeping track of where your kids are and being able to see what they're doing on their phone. And those are, those are two things I would suggest. But I really suggest parents, if you have kids under the age of 13, don't hand them your iPad because you have no controls on your iPad. They can go wherever they want on your iPad. You can open up YouTube Kids or any of these, you know, kids apps. You can download apps and stuff and say, here, play this game. But the kid with one push of a button can go to something else. And if they're watching YouTube videos, there are the uh, related videos that pop up on the side. After about three clicks, there's no telling what videos will pop up. So I would encourage parents to take a look at the Kindle Fire tablets. Kids can get online. They can do whatever they want to do. The same things. They can play games. They can listen to music. They can take pictures. They can video chat and go to websites, but you get to control what they do, who they can talk to over video chat and which websites, how they're rated. And you can keep a better, and you can use the same Kindle for multiple children, but all of those kids can have uh, their own username and password, their own account. So you can give a 13-year-old a little more freedom of what they can do on their iPad than the seven-year-old. Okay. So you can set, set up different accounts. So I suggest that Kindle Fire tablet. That's really good to know. And you had, you had said something about YouTube, and I know there's a YouTube Kids, but it always concerns me handing my eight-year-old daughter YouTube because there's a lot of crazy stuff on there. Is kids safe, YouTube Kids? Well, um, you know, it, it's safer now. This time about, um, th- about this time last year, I took a, a really good look at YouTube Kids. And what was happening is, you know, there's some sick people in this world who want to do nothing but, but fill people's heads with nasty stuff. And so what they were doing is, and it's still out there, you can still find these things, but what they were doing was they would create these little stop motion videos uh, featuring kids' characters, Spider-Man, um, the, uh, the princess from Frozen, uh, all of the other Disney princesses, Peppa Pig, that was real popular for them. And they would create these little stop motion videos using those characters or, or Play-Doh. They would create these characters using Play-Doh. And they would create these videos of, like, there was one where Peppa Pig is chasing dad around with a gun. And so what they did was they tagged that. They put the title as Peppa Pig plays or, you know, plays with dad or something like that. And uh, they would post that to YouTube. Well, the parents would say, all right, here's a list of Peppa Pig videos. You're safe to watch these. And your kids are going to see Peppa Pig do that, uh, scream and cry and have a meltdown at the dentist. Um, There was one where Peppa Pig threw up all over uh, another student in a classroom, there were, uh, and this, there were dozens and dozens of videos showing Spider-Man, uh, all of these Disney princesses drinking from the toilet, uh, you know, and yeah. people were, now I will say Google has really cracked down on that. And so parents 
YouTube Kids is much safer now because you have more control. You can select uh, certain channels on YouTube Kids that are perfectly safe. These are channels that Google has real people. They're not using an algorithm, but they have real people watching these videos when they're uploaded before they're approved to go into the YouTube app. So Google did make, a couple of months ago, did make some huge changes, hired a lot of real people to monitor these videos. Uh, but I would suggest if you are using YouTube Kids, just to be on the safe side, find those uh, verified channels. Find that verified Disney channel or Peppa Pig channel and make sure that your kids can only watch those videos. And there are some controls where you can choose the channels that your kids can watch on YouTube kids. Okay. That's really good to know because anything, I don't know, anytime I give my child something, you know, when they're so young with absolute freedom, you know, scares me because they don't know, they don't know the warning signs. If they see the first little things that go South, we would know, Oh no, we need to turn that off. But they don't know until it's way too late. Right. You know, um, cause I had, I had one of my kids that's older come to me when they were 11 and their friends at school had said, enter this into the search bar, you know, mm-hmm. when you get home on your mom's computer and they did, and then called me sobbing, like, you're going to find this when you get home. I don't know what to do. I can't unsee it. And, you know, and, and didn't mean to do anything wrong. Just did what the friend, you know, his friend said to try it. So he did. Yeah. Um, and you just, yeah. you, you just don't know. So it's good to have this information so we can try to protect them from everything. And something that we had alluded to in the beginning that we had actually talked about when we met in person was these secret locker apps. This, for some reason, just blew my mind (laughs) because it's a kid thing. But then I, I, you know, I got to thinking it could be a sneaky adult thing as well. Oh, yes. Um, So what are secret locker apps and how do they work? All right. Well, most of the secret locker apps uh, have been for a long time. They look like calculators. All right. You think, so a parent picks up the phone and sees a calculator. Okay. Perfectly fine. Uh, but what these calculators hidden locker apps do is it has like a vault, a, you know, a hidden locker where kids can put videos, text messages, photos, whatever they want to, they can save them into this hidden locker. The only way to access this hidden locker is to enter the right equation. So the kid can say, all right, the right equation is, I'm going to have to, I'm not very good at math, so I'm going to make it very simple. Three times four equals. And that's like the the combination to open up these secret lockers. And that is the only equation that will work. So mom and dad sees this and they put in, try to open the app, um, open this hidden locker. They're not going to get to it unless they put in four times three equals. That's the only way. Now, that was the way it worked when they first launched these. And there are dozens in both app stores, dozens, maybe over a hundred of these apps. Uh, But they're almost all calculator apps, all the ones that I know of. But after a while, parents started to figure this out. And so some of these app makers said, all right, here's something you can do, kids. Um, You can have a secondary equation that will open a hidden locker with just a few little insignificant things, you know, pictures of your dog. 
um, a video of, you know, something silly. And so parents come in and the kids say, yeah, the, um, you know, the parents demand, and, and this actually happened. Uh, after I did that first story, I had a parent come up to me and she said, I saw the story. I looked on my kid's phone and there was a calculator app. And I said, well, what happened? She said, well, I asked him to open the app or open that locker. And he did. And there was nothing in there. So, you know, he just has it, nothing on there. Well, I told her, I said, you know, there, there is a, a second equation. He may have given you the equation to open this safe locker to, to trick mom and dad. Yeah. Okay. See mom, there's nothing in there. But if you go in and uh, enter the equation four times four equals, then that's going to open that super secret locker where they can put all of those other things in that locker. So there are ways to not only trick parents once, but when parents kind of are, are to you, there's a way to trick them again. And, but you're right. Adults could certainly you could do know, the same thing. I know I was thinking about that. I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, the, um, but, well, and another thing to know is if your child is, if somebody isn't hiding something, they don't need a locker app. Right. Because it can just be on their phone. Right. And, so if you do find it, probably, you know, and, and not that we want to think bad things about our kids. And I think, you know, a lot of it is just like other kids, you know, you should really have this. And so, you know, they may throw stuff on there and it may be that they're not that into those things or they just felt the pressure, but it's still something to check out and have conversations with your child. I think is the other thing when you find those things, instead of just yelling at them and deleting the app and letting it go you know, talk to them about why, why, you know? Yeah. You really have to, because again, with those going back to that, to the YouTube videos, if, if you hand your kid, um, your iPad and let them play on YouTube and watch some videos that are perfectly fine over on the right, you know, after a few taps, they could see videos just by going on those recommended videos to something you don't want them to see. And they don't know what they're clicking on until after they see it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, you know, that's what I try to explain to my kids is you can't unsee things. So once it's in your mind, it's in your mind. So it's my job to not let it get there. You know, and then obviously when you're 18, you can see do whatever you want because you can make those choices. And so as your kids get older, you have to let them have a little bit more freedom because if you give them nothing and then when they're 18, they can do everything, they're going to make probably bad choices. That's true. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, slow. And but I like, and I like the 13 year old idea too, you know, cause, cause a lot of parents are like, well, when is the right age? You know, it's, it's hard to, to tell. How and they're, going. you know, they're all of their friends have iPhones or a smartphone and they're going to pitch a fit. When you say, I have to wait, you have to wait until you're in the eighth grade, um, they're going to pitch a fit and you just have to stay strong and say, no, that's in my house. You'll have one when I say you can have one, um, or you get off on your own and you're 18 and maybe mom and dad doesn't want to give them an iPhone, you know, until they move out of the house. But, uh, you just have to stay because kids will go to school. Everybody as an iPhone. And as you mentioned, kids as young as five and six years old have smartphones, which um, is a very dangerous road to go down. Yeah. We, we made our older kids wait till they were 18. Boy, were they mad. They were, I mean, they had phones, but not smartphones until they were 18. Um, 
yeah, they weren't, they weren't pleased, but you know, they didn't go out and get a job and buy their own either. So, you know, if they really, really wanted it, I guess. Good for you. But, um, and you know, and also not only, even if your kids are never using any of these dangerous apps, even if your kids are, you know, your, your perfect child who would never do anything like this, being on a smartphone all the time is a very dangerous thing. And we're seeing more and more studies that have come out. If you take a look at our, that generation today, you know, kids who are 17, 17 and 18 years old, they don't, ha- they don't know how to have a conversation with someone in real life. I've talked to a, high, a college freshman who had never had a boyfriend. Not, you know, she, she was a very cute girl, very popular girl. She never had a boyfriend. Why? She said, I don't feel comfortable talking to someone in person or on the phone. And sitting across from someone on a date terrifies me. It was scary for me when I was 17. But she said it. And if I talked to movie theater managers who told me I we very rarely ever see teenage boy, teenage girl out on a date going to the movies. If you go to the restaurants, check the check over the weekend. How many boys, how many teenagers do you see on dates? I never see it anymore. I never do either. I never really thought about it. Uh, they're sitting in their room and they're texting. You know, they don't call it dating now. I had this conversation the other day with a child psychologist. She said, you know, they don't date now. They don't call it dating. They call it talking. Yeah. And I never could understand that until recently. Because when you're talking, you're not just texting. You're actually talking to someone, which is uh, more serious, you know? So it's like... Oh, see, I never understood it either. Okay, that makes sense. So it started, it kind of dawned on me the other day that that's why they call it that. Because up until you're talking in real life to someone, you're only texting and it can't be that serious. But you're talking, that means you're, you know, they're almost your boyfriend. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I know one of my sons, he doesn't like talking on the phone because he feels like, because he's texted, you know, all of his life. He feels like he said, he feels like he's talking to a disembodied head (laughs) and that's, you know, and it blows my mind because I'm, I would much rather talk to somebody's voice than text them, you know, because for me, you lose the, the nuance of the conversation and, you know, did I say that right? Are they going to take what I texted, you know, in that quick sentence, does it sound, you know, not like right. I wanted it to sound, but to them, it's creepy doing the other thing. So it's yeah. amazing it's how many that, that, um, you know, we talk about dating, but teenage drinking is way down because kids aren't going out. Not all kids are going out to parties. Uh, the teenage pregnancy rate is as low as it has ever been in this country. It's never been lower teenage pregnancy rate, but suicide rates have never been higher among teenagers. And, um, and a lot of psychologists and a lot of research has shown it's because kids are staying in their rooms on the phone. They're not, they don't have that one-on-one friendship that their parents had. And they're seeing some of their friends who are going out and it's depressing to them. You see, you know, two of your best friends, they're at, they're at a party, they're at someone's house and they send them a text message and say, Hey, we're hanging out. Uh, it's depressing. It's, it's disheartening for the, the kid that's left out But suicide rate. So these smartphones are having a tremendous 
impact on that generation, the generation of uh, high school students particularly. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like when these elementary and middle school students um, reach the 11th and 12th grade and early years of college. I can't imagine what that's, what is our workforce going to, going to look like? Right, right. How hard is it to get a job if you can't speak to someone in an interview? The friend of my daughter's that had the iPhone at six, my daughter got a, an iPad and we've got all, it's on, you know, total lockdown. She has no internet and all that stuff. Cause it's just, you know, kid stuff, but they could text back and forth. And this girl had texted her, well, she's not allowed on her iPad, maybe 30 minutes a day, not even every day. It's just very limited. And so she had texted her and my daughter didn't get back for her two days. And then this girl just berated her. Why haven't you answered me? And where have you been? And aren't you a friend? And, and I thought, oh my goodness. And my daughter was just beside herself with grief, you know, that she had hurt someone's feelings. And I thought, that is just so sad, you know? They have our number. They could call, like, if she needed to talk to you for something or, you know, whatever. Um, but if, yeah, I can see psychologically if that's how they're thinking, because if everyone has their phone on them all the time. And I think that's another thing that they're missing out on, because, like, when you and I were younger, you know, you could go do things with people and have a break from that, right? If someone called and you weren't there, they called back. It was no big deal, you know? And now, you know someone called and you know you have to call them back right away. And there's this pressure, I think. Yeah. yeah. And there's, you know, so many things that we, the experiences that we had, it had to happen, you know, on a one-to-one or a small group. You know, if, if someone were to say something bad about someone when we were in the ninth grade and someone criticized or started a rumor with someone, it was very slow moving. It didn't move across the school like it does now. If someone wants to start a rumor about someone, it's instantaneous. And the 4,000 people in that school, they know about it right away. Whereas when we were kids, if you weren't in that conversation, you didn't find out about it. Right. And, and so things like that, you know, and the pornography it, back then, if you wanted, if, you know, if a kid wanted to see pornography, he had to go, it was difficult to get their hands on a magazine or a video or whatever. And today, right. automatic. I really appreciate you explaining all of these things in such detail. It has been so great to listen. And it sounds a little depressing if you're listening, but if you, if you use some of these tips and be proactive, and like Jamie said, have a relationship with your kids where you're talking to them so that you're not surprised by a lot of these things. Because if you do that, they might actually share with you what some of their friends are doing, even if it's not great. And so then, you know, do you have any last tips? Um, just nothing that I've, I haven't already said. If you're really worried, look for these devices that will monitor what the kids are doing at home and on their phone and on their device. If you're a parent, don't just hand your young child your iPad. Uh, take a look at the Kindle. Take a look at the Kindle Fire. And check your Apple ID and the purchase downloads. That's another thing that I would recommend just to see what's been downloaded on your account. And if your child is young, make sure that they're using your Apple ID. Okay. And one last thing, when I was listening to you, one of your podcast episodes, you were talking about looking at your kid's phone, because if you've bought it and you're their parent, you have a right to do that. 
Absolutely. So if you have not ever done that and your child fights with you about it, you do have a right. You're the parent. Right? And you can say, look, if, if you're not going to let me look at your phone, shut it down. You know, go to your, go to your carrier and say, just, I'm going to skip this month and we'll see what happens with that phone. And, and that might be something, but you're going to be a very unpopular parent among your, with your kids and their friends. You're going to be very unpopular. So be prepared for that. Thanks again, Jamie. I really appreciate you being on today. I've enjoyed it, Jen. Thanks for having me. I, 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 I love this subject because it's so important uh, for every parent, every parent. This is so important. So I appreciate you uh, taking a look at this issue and having me on the show to tell you what I know. Thank you. You can find Jamie at whatthetech.tv. He has got so much more information there than he even had here. And he had so much more today than I ever thought he was going to. So thank you again, Jamie, for being here today. And thank you to my listeners for being here. I really appreciate your time. I know when you're not feeling well, it's hard to do a lot of things. And you took the time to do this. So I really appreciate it. If you want the next episode to be delivered right to you, I encourage you to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And every week on Wednesday, the new episode will be automatically downloaded to your device. If you want to join a group of women who gets what you're going through, or if you want to have a more conversation about today's episode or talk to me, you can find me on Facebook in a group called Chronically Positive Moms. Chronic because we're chronic. Positive because we're all trying to be positive in spite of what's happening with our bodies and we're all moms. So I would love to see you there. Thank you again for listening. Have a fantastic week. Our music today is A New Day by Scott Holmes. I look forward to talking to you next week.